When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So obviously it's been a, it's been a good two games so far for the Bruins and I have a lot of positives in my mind. I'm pleasantly surprised that this this group of guys it really is probably what 35% turnover, maybe 30 from last year's team. Um maybe even more, but I don't know, probably probably around what I said. That said, I want to see how well you guys know me. We haven't discussed this, but if if there's one Bruin that Brian would say has been a little lackluster through two games. Do you guys have any idea who I might say? And I'll start the uh, the Jeopardy soundtrack I, right now. Am I allowed to ask a question? Or do I have to just have to guess without any information at all? I would guess first and then ask I've, a question. I, I've got a guess and I think I might disagree. So Okay, then I think I know who you're going to say then. Hampus Lintel? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. But okay, but here's here, here's the thing. So it's not even so much that he's been bad, but I think he sucked in the playoffs, number one. And so, and he didn't really have much of a preseason to speak of, didn't have to, it's preseason. But I just think that last year, one of the biggest reasons the Bruins had the season they had was because when Charlie McAvoy was out of the lineup for the first month and a half, Hampus Lindholm was a Norris, Norris caliber guy. And, you know, he kept it up. For the most part, throughout the season, what do you finish like top, top seven in voting or top ten? He may have dwindled, dwindled down as the year went along. My point is though, he hit the ground running last year, and because of that, the Bruins were able to have the start that they had. And it's almost like because he doesn't have to be that guy right now, he's not being that guy. And I just want him to play with that same uh, level of play when they have all their horses back there and not when you just need to be because you're the only guy. And so I would say he hasn't been bad at all, Scott. So I don't know if we're going to really disagree. I just, I have a high, a high bar for him and I want him to, to meet it no matter what. I see. I knew it was going to be a defenseman and it was between Lindholm and Shattenkirk. Um, so I didn't know if, because I feel like your bar for Shattenkirk was already kind of low. I was also leaning towards Lindholm um, just because Shattenkirk's a third pair guy. So it's like, okay, we're, we weren't expecting all that much from him, but I agree, Brian. And, and in that for what we saw from him in the beginning of last year is definitely different than what we saw from him so far this year. And in the preseason. So I went to one game, like I never get to sit in the stands. I'm always on the ninth floor with Scott. So I went with some friends from college and I'm sitting there and there's one point in, uh, I think it was their last home game of the regular season. Uh, he just makes this awful turnover and then can't get back on defense. And I'm just screaming. I'm like, what, what is this? Um, and it was like, just the sense of frustration in the whole crowd was just like, what happened? We, I mean, I think of him as someone that's fast. I think of him as someone who's good in transition. And at times he, at the end of last season and, and sometimes in the preseason and early in the season, hasn't really been able to bring that. 
um, to the degree that we saw it in the beginning of last season. So I, I agree in a way that I think he has more to bring for sure. Yeah. The first thing I would note is. This is I, I almost feel, sigh, I almost feel like to decide how I want to tell you you're both wrong. <laughs> well, no, I almost feel like he like did himself a disservice with how good he was to start last year because he's put it he, at one point. He was like a point per game player through like a month and a half. And it's like, this is a guy who's never had more than 34 points in a season. And now everyone thinks he like, he's going to be a great offensive defenseman. And it was like, and I, I remember saying this at the time, but I was like, I don't think we should expect this to continue because I just don't think that's really the kind of player he is. Like he's when he's been at his best, he's always been a really good two-way defenseman, very good in his own end, very good in transition and chipping in offensively, not driving the offense and being like a top 10 defenseman in points. Um, that said, like, at, sure. It's fair to maybe want a little bit more out of him. Part of that though, is the role that he's being asked to play. It's when it's him and Carlo, they are the Bruins shutdown pairing. And they're the same way. I said, like the coil line gets the toughest matchups. This is the pairing that's getting the tough matchups and the D the D zone starts. And at that, they've been great. Like I'm looking so far this season when they've been on the ice, Bruins have out attempted opponents 36 to 19 basically doubling up shots on goal, 19 to nine Bruins more than doubled up. They haven't been on the ice for a goal against yet. Um, you know, scoring chances, 20 to 13, like they do that extremely well, but I also understand wanting to see because we've seen it from Lindholm that the, he can do more offensively. Yeah. There's probably a happy medium between, you know, basically the no show we saw in the playoffs offensively and, it's only two games, but he doesn't have a point yet. Um, so yeah, like there's somewhere in between that, but it's not, he's not going to be the point per game player. He was early on last season. Like I just, I think that was like a fluke. That was just kind of a but he career best stretch that he's, he's not going to live up. Like he's not going to live up to that standard. But he did pretty consistently. It wasn't like a few weeks. Like it was over a month. I feel like maybe more like two months that he was able to do that. Um, and he looked really, really good. And I, I wonder, we know that during the playoffs, there was an injury involved with his foot. I assume that it's had all the time to heal that it needed. It, ne it never needed surgery. It was just something, it was just something that needed time and rest um, to, to go back to normal. So um, I don't think an injury is involved here. And, you know, also it is early in the season. I mean, Maybe I he didn't get enough work in the off season while he was resting. Maybe, it, you know, it's just going to be a slow ramp up. I've completely changed my mind. Scott, I think he's been amazing so far, actually, now that I think about <laughs> it. No, I mean, Scott, what I would say is, um, yeah, he's been fine. He's He's been good, actually, defensively, as you mentioned. Uh, I'm, I'm not even talking about point production. I'm not, I'm not basing how I think he's playing based off of him being a point per game guy. Um, what I look for with him is the, the defense, like you mentioned, which has been good, but he's, he's, he's a driver of offense and transition and his skating ability and, and his stride is, is it's, it's top tier in, in this league. And I'm not seeing him gain that, that separation from four checkers that we've seen him do since, since he's been a Bruin, at least maybe not 
jumping off the page. Maybe he is. I should go. Maybe go back and watch watch the film. Unfortunately, I'm not on the Bruins payroll as a coach or a scout, so I'm not going to do that. But I think he's just. Well, to, I, yeah, I will say this. So it's fun. It's funny you mentioned that, and I, I had meant to touch on this, but there was a point in Saturday's game where I was thinking like I hadn't seen him doing a whole lot with the puck on his stick. And literally like the shift, I was thinking that he went behind the net, draws a defender behind with him, does like that quick cut out front and gained separation and started a clean transition. So it, it now maybe that was the only time like I can't think of him doing that another time in the game other than that. But it was funny. Like, just when that that thought came into my head that you're talking about of like haven't really seen him doing this a whole lot, literally that shift like he did the exact thing that I've been waiting to see, and I was like, oh yeah, there it is. Yeah, exactly. And, and look, maybe I'm being unfair because I, I do think I'm carrying over some some pent up fr- frustration from uh, from last spring and, and him just being a really invisible player after having that season for them. So it just seems like it's kind of been a snowball effect. And, um, but I just think like if the, the Bruins need to rely on defense and goaltending. And as you mentioned, he and Carlo have been a great defensive pair. So if that's their role, maybe I should just, you know, tamper my expectations for him offensively, but I still want to see him drive play a little bit more than I have so far through all, albeit two games. They were out there a lot against Bedard, um, which probably was their toughest uh, task of the whole season. Um, but, you know, and, and Allmark did help with the fact that Bedard didn't score on a lot of those shifts. But um, I want to, because time's winding down here for us, um, I I want to look ahead a little bit to next game, as well as to our next podcast, because we are going to have a mailbag segment, because we, the Bruins, have plenty of time off before they play again Thursday. So our middle-of-the-week episode, we're going to be taking questions. Um Mailbag, comment on, you know, YouTube, uh, email us. I, I always put all of that information in the comments, like how to get in contact with us. Um, that's just a note uh, if you're still listening. And I want to look ahead to next game or even just the road trip in general. But, well, uh, but also, just in case people don't look at the notes, skatepod at wei.com or tweet at us at the skatepod or as Bridget said, comment on, on the YouTube video. Yeah, I check the YouTube. I check the YouTube comments. Um, you know, every every once in a while throughout the day. So, uh, and Scott checks the email. Um, and we we all have access to the Twitter. So, um, uh, I want to look ahead to next game, and I want to get you guys predictions on which Bruin who maybe hasn't quite broken out the offense yet is gonna make a big impact next game. Um, I'm more thinking of the forward group, but if you have a defenseman that you're thinking of that, you know, you think is going to is right on the cusp of scoring um, and might have a big game against San Jose. I want to hear what you guys think. I guess I'll go first, Scott. I think maybe the obvious answer would be Brad Marchand and I'll, I'll allow Scott to kind of think of a, a more of a, of a, of a dark horse, but I would say Marchand. I mean, you're playing San Jose, Los Angeles and Anaheim, two of which really should be, you know, bottom 10 teams this year. The Kings obviously I think have hopes to be a solid playoff team, but if you're asking who I want to see get going here, especially against this type of competition, I think it would, I would say Brad Marchand and, 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 and um, specifically at five on five, but you know, take what you can get. 
Yeah, that that was going to be my my first answer, especially with like the penalty he took Saturday. I could see him kind of just coming back and like having a takeover game, especially against bad opponent. But I'll I'll say Jake DeBrusque, who I think has been solid so far. Like I don't think he's done anything wrong, but hasn't exactly jumped off the page yet. We talked about how that whole line has been relatively quiet five on five. Um, DeBrusque doesn't have a point yet. But I feel like, you know, I feel like he can take over at any moment. Um, I think he's a more confident player now, so I don't think, you know, going a couple games without a point, like I don't think it snowballs on him anymore like it used to. So I could see, I could definitely see him getting going, whether it's San Jose or just on this road trip in general. Yeah, I'm going to go bottom six just um, because you guys are – explaining some of the top six options um so two thoughts come to mind i and it's two guys who have never scored an nhl goal and that's matt potra and johnny beecher so i think that they've both done a lot and have come very close to scoring beecher a lot of times in front of the net potra in all, all sorts of different ways just scrapping out in front or tipping shots or being sneaky um, so his first goal is coming on this road trip at some point. And I also think that Johnny Beecher and the way that that fourth line is playing and pressuring and forechecking, they cause a turnover back there behind the net or, or around the net. And, you know, maybe Lauco taps it in front to Beecher and he puts one in. So I think both of those young guys who haven't scored yet have shown good signs that they're right there. Yeah, and since it's, you know, I've mentioned it as like something Potter has to do more, worth noting, he does have four shots on goal through two games. So, you know, to me, like, if he puts two shots on goal a game, that's sort of right in the sweet spot. Obviously, even even more would be great, but um, my concern there was, like, he couldn't be at one shot per game or less like he was in the preseason where he went a couple games without a shot so but as we talked about he was 75 percent shooting percentage so well now he's <laughs> now he's zero percent in the regular season that's true that's true <laughs> but he had a great percentage in the preseason all right so any final uh takeaways from the games that have been and the games coming up guys obviously the bruins are off until thursday night where they play in san jose it's a 10 30 start so um obviously we have we have today's episode on Monday. We have uh, Wednesday's mail, mailbag episode, and then we'll be re- recording um, Friday. We'll be dropping Friday. So um, any any lingering thoughts thus far before we close out? No, not for me. I think, uh, I mean, we haven't talked much about goaltending, but would just note Allmark and Swayman, both good starts so far. Swayman obviously faced more volume of shots and, you know, Elmark did face some quality chances. Swayman faced more of them with all the penalty kill time. But, you know, I don't know, like, why this is happening, but for some reason in some places there's already this narrative that, that they're going to have to pick a, a goalie at some point. And I'm like, yeah, but not now and not at any point before, like, maybe the last month of the regular season. Like, why why are we trying to pick a number one goalie, you know, a week or two into the season? Like, we we know the rotation is very good. We know they're going to have to re- rely on goaltending probably even more this year to win games. So if they're both going to be really good again and through one start each, they have been, then 
just keep rotating like that that's a strength that's not that's not a weakness that you have to try to solve and ride one of them no there's a reason they won the jennings so that's for me that's not an argument until until april i don't i don't need a a number one goalie from now until until then the playoffs is a different story because you know uh carryover is a real thing um playing with confidence if a guy's feeling it i just don't love taking them out of there but again, that's a conversation for for months from now. As far as the regular season goes, I don't care if they put Scott in every third game. Like you know, that's fine with me. So um, as long as as long as these guys are arrested, I just think the game is changing. Where goalies do need to monitor how many games they play, and and when you have two number one goalies, absolutely just keep splitting all year. I can care less. They they better stay out of the box the game that I'm in there because I got to tell you, I I don't do well with a lot of traffic around the net. So. Yeah, you have to you have to battle though. Look look through some legs to find out so you're not screen, Scott. Look through the Zidane Chara screen. Speak, <laughs> like speaking, way around it. Speaking of goalies, and I know I and I know we're getting out of here, but Scott, that was I gotta commend you for for you know you you dying on your on your on your sword there trying to get Tim Thomas on this all nice. centennial team. So uh, Bridget, I don't know if I don't know if you if you saw the video the Bruins put out, but there was also a hilarious moment where Trying to think who it was. Was it was it uh Brad Park? Brad Park and like everybody is they're all going around the room like, yep, unanimous. And all of a sudden you just hear Scott in the background. He's like, I actually want to uh I want a further discussion. And everybody's like like a huge pop. Everybody's like totally like caught off guard and surprised. And, and it's, like, it's like when everybody wants to go home from work, it's like five o'clock, and Scott's like, actually, I have another assignment we need to we need to well, fix right now. <laughs> no, well, for, first off, that Scott was very reminded early. the teacher. Scott reminded the teacher in fifth grade <laughs> that they had homework last night. Well, you know what's weird though? Like, so I guess like I, I sort of get that reaction to Brad Park, but someone moved Brad Marshand into further consideration. And didn't get that reaction. And I'm, I was like, am I insane? Like, Brad Martian is way more obvious of a pick than Brad Park. So, like, I, I don't I don't totally get why mine got that reaction. But, uh, yeah, it was funny, though. It, basically, my, my main thing was, like, I knew a very good defenseman was getting cut. And I just thought, like, there were four locks, and then everything else should be should have been open to consideration. Because the guy who ended up getting cut is Lionel Hitchman. And his number's hanging in the rafters. So, like, I know that's, you know, he played 100 years or, you know, 95 years ago. So people don't really know him that well. But, like, there's a reason his number's in the rafters. So, um, but, yeah, that whole process. There's a reason it's called the Centennial Team. I mean, I'm I'm glad that. I'm glad that that Pasternak didn't get snubbed because I, I just think it's one of those situations where you're trying to make a Centennial Team of a bunch of guys, for the most part, who play their entire career start to finish and you saw what they did. And, and for, you know, Pasternak, I, I have little doubt in my mind, he's going to end his career assuming he plays in Boston, which we always hear for the next seven, eight years, whatever, like he's going to be the, the, the highest goal scorer in the franchise's history. He'll be a, probably a top five point scorer. So it's just one of those things where like, if this was 10, 15 years from now, if for the, for their 200th uh, anniversary season, he'd be on it. So why not have him on it right now? Like you sh- I think I forget who it was in the in the in the round table, Scott, but one lady mentioned like, you know, you shouldn't punish him for for his age. And so I I was like it's if I think objectively he's like definitely one of the top, you know, I whatever. I'm glad he I'm glad he got on there. So that was good. There were there weren't many snubs. I mean, I kind of 
it seemed like the guys that should have been on that on that top 20 list were there. And you guys did a good job. Yeah, I mean, goalie was definitely by far the toughest spot just because there's there's five legitimate contenders that all had really good cases. And, you know, it, Frank Brimzik and Jerry Cheevers end up making it, and it's really hard to argue against either one of them. But then, in, like, Tim Thomas gets left off. He had the the best peak of any Bruins goalie. Tugaras gets left off. All he does is own the franchise wins record and playoff wins record. And Tiny Thompson gets left off, who's a Hall of Famer who won four Vezina trophies in a Stanley Cup. So, like, that that part was hard, but it was... Uh... We had a Centennial all-goalie team. Five goalies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am all for watching goalies play hockey, by the way. Like, throw some out as forwards, but all dressed up in gear. Um, I would, I could watch a whole game of that. Yeah. There should be a whole league of that. Let's just, let's be real. You know, now that I think about it in the moment, I didn't think of this at all, but just now, um, I'm kind of surprised there wasn't a little bit of a, uh, an all centennial coaching staff or GM. I mean, maybe you can't do GM cause Sweeney's active. So, and, and Montgomery is active, but like I, to, to, to assign a coach, one head coach to that team, it would have, it would have been a fun exercise too, but. I, I digress. It didn't happen. So it's a moot point, as they say. A moot yeah. point, not not a mute point. Mute point. <laughs> if, if people don't know what we're talking about, uh, the Bruins posted the link to it. It's a YouTube video that's about an hour long of the selection committee with all the people that were picking um, the Centennial team, including Scott, uh, who voiced his opinions. And uh, it was his time to shine. Uh, he needed, he, he couldn't just sit there and just agree because, you know, he needed that. He needed some airtime. I will say the funniest moment to me, and I'm glad they included it, was um, Nako Funiyama not, I think it was when it got down to Tim Thomas versus Jerry Cheevers, and they like went around and voted, and she, she didn't vote, and then they're like, and Eric Russo was like, who didn't vote? We're one short. And she was like, I can't decide. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was a good moment. Um my, unless you guys had anything else on the All Centennial team, I have one one last thought, just a little shout out uh, to a member of the All Centennial team, actually. But Zdeno Chara ran the Bay State Marathon in Lowell, actually ran right right by my place. Um, ran that on Sunday. It's the third marathon he's run in the last like three and a half weeks, and he's running another one in a couple weeks in the New York City Marathon. So he's now run four marathons this year with a fifth on the way. And, uh, he said, he set his personal record today in Lowell. So, um, you know, returning to where he was once a Lowell lock monster, uh, for, for about half a season before he got called up by the Islanders. So just, just incredible. Like he's just an animal. Um, in some ways it's like, on some like, I think this is more impressive than everyone knew like how much of a fitness freak he was don't during his playing don't career. Be more impressive than him winning the Stanley cup. <laughs> no, 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 not winning the Stanley cup, but like it, he was always renowned for how being like a workout warrior and how great of shape he was in. And that's why he played into his forties, obviously, but now he's just turning into like a regular marathoner at 46. And he's, he said that he wants to do uh, like Ironmans and triathlons too. The guys yeah. just, just, absolutely crazy yeah he's built different i mean i mean he's what six nine i mean four marathons in a in a month i mean i can't be good on those knees 
you might want to take it easy just a little bit because that's those are those are ticking time bombs if he just if he doesn't lay off those. But yeah, he's he's impressive as it gets. He's running competitive. Enough, he's run enough marathons for all of us. So good job, Daniel. Now we don't have to. By by the way, another former Bruin might be running the Boston Marathon at some point. Uh when we talked to David Krejci before um before Wednesday night on the gold carpet walk-in. He said he's been running more since retiring and he's he's not gonna become Trower and start doing a bunch of marathons, but he, he's done a couple half marathons and he said uh he thinks he might want to do Boston at some point. So um yeah, apparently that's that's the thing to do if you're a uh you know either Czech or Slovak former Bruin is you get really into running after retiring. And tennis. I think he also mentioned uh trying to play Wimbledon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I might start doing marathons. I feel like you can probably run 26 miles around Boston quicker than driving it lately with all this traffic. So I might start becoming a marathon runner as well. But until then, I'll just stick with the skate pod. How's that sound? Hey, we've we've been known to do some marathon episodes from time to time. That is true. Yeah, that is yeah. True. At like midnight too. If you like finish posting at like 3 a.m., I'm like, thanks guys, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Not tonight. We'll get out of here nice and early, so you can you can do that, Bridget, before maybe uh, midnight. So unless there's anything else, thank you all for listening. We will talk to you very soon.